Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Dawn of Dragons, Season 2, Episode 2, The Baron. The road before them was well-traveled and the stones worn smooth. The many rains spread the tan and red soil fit between the stones, allowing the sun to bake it into a clay. The trees and grasses on the sides of the road allowed some shade from the late summer sun. Cordelia shook her head, looking into the trees as the light bounced from the leaves. It had been several days since Zorin and these newest members of the party joined the rest of them. Given the urgency of the mission, she was thankful there were more people there to assist in their cause. Hey, Cordelia, what are you thinking about? Just thinking about something I read at the library. This wasn't entirely untrue. She had a copy of the book with her she had been reading. The one-eyed librarian had handed it to her to read when she had left, claiming it reflected her theory of what the great treasure could be. That night they set up camp in a small clearing in the trees away from the road by 50 yards. Keldor and Cordelia cooked together some venison and potatoes for everyone while they all shared stories with smiles on their faces. The savory smell of the potatoes and lightly spiced meat on the fire mixed with the smoke, making them all smile in anticipation. After the dinner, they set up watches for the evening. Cordelia opted to take last watch, giving her time to review the book more thoroughly. Illuminated in the campfire light, the leather tome creaked as it opened to her anxious hands. The arcane transcription springing to life. The War of Champions, as told by Vindalus the Golden, commander of the Viridian Dragoons, and recorded by his squire, Folus Bellum. The following is his bedside testimony during the first moon in spring of the year 937. There are days that only we elves can remember, days that we are loath to speak of, days of great despair and death. Many lives of men have passed since the conflict between the great powers of this land. Dragons, giants, dwarves, elves, and men were engaged in such battle as the world had never seen. Countless were slaughtered, good and evil alike. And the western continent became a focal point for this war. And especially the ancient Mesa, known by my people as the First Stone. Standing hundreds of feet high with a perfectly flat top, and a large, smooth horn jutting from one side, pointing to the east, it was a sight to see. It stood in the middle of the continent upon one of the many hills of the great central forest. A forest, I am sad to say, met its end during this time. But I get ahead of myself. This first stone was black like the night itself, but flaked with the most vibrant of hues. It shimmered with a brilliant light of some mystical provenance. It was impossible to break, and... A peculiar power could be felt, even by those with little magical affinity. It was an ancient and untamed power. Even the most stoic among us were transfixed by its beauty. There was something both great and terrible in this monolith, and we were not the only ones who saw it. 
There were many who wished to use its power for one end or the next, claiming it was the vessel of some greater potential. And yet there were others who vowed to prevent any from taking control of it, for fear of the terrible power it housed. It became known as the God's Forge by many, as there were whispers that through some forgotten ritual, a mere mortal could use it to ascend into godhood. Regardless of the true power contained in this stone, a brutal war would be waged to determine its final end. An end it did. No one knows what exactly transpired, yet there are rumors. It is said that there was a great flash from the heavens as the smoking, flaming fist of the gods struck the ground. Others claim it wasn't a fist, but the greatest of giant's hammers. And yet there are others still who say it was destroyed through some contrivance of man, by a weapon known only as the Destroyer of Worlds. Though the wisest among us believe, some fool attempted to ascend and lost their challenge to the gods themselves. No matter the cause, the result was the same. In that flash, the first stone was shattered, and a great force erupted from the site, pushing man, giant, elf, and dwarf along with rivers and mountains outward, along with those beautiful trees. This force was so great that it tore the ground from under our feet, forming the Great Glen Valley as we know it today. The remains of the first stone were scattered in five places. We made a truce then with man, and a promise, that none could ever be trusted to gain control of this first stone again. The vibrant shards would be guarded forevermore, with five massive citadels erected upon their remains, each named for the color of the stone they protected. The Celestine Tower was constructed in the center, the tallest of these citadels, able to oversee the whole of the glen at once. It towered thousands of feet above the ground, standing in rivalry to the ancient giants themselves. The Ivory Tower was next, where all the world's knowledge of science and history is collected and stored. Then there's the Jade Temple, which many see as the epicenter of spirituality. The temple also acts as a gateway to and from the now shattered lands to the north. There's Garnet Keep, which guards the bloody lands to the south. And last, the Obsidian Fortress, which stands on the edge of the wild and the unknown northwest. Thus came the end of the war, and the beginning of the calendar we know today. Soon following this event, the countries of the west began forming outside the glen. The rich aristocracy of Darkovnia formed from many small, disparate baronies, and became the primary trade route linking the east and west of the port cities of Bells and Ellington, respectively. The trolls, orcs, and bandits gathered together, populating the south in Troll. And the reserved and stoic martial artists sought peace and journeyed further into the west than any before them. One of the lost northern peoples, only known as Wolflings, settled outside the gates of the Obsidian Tower, giving their own names to that land, and remaining reclusive beyond that great, dark bastion. Closing the book, she still felt lost. It does explain Bells and Ellington once were part of Darkovnia, but is it the giant stone she should be thinking of finding? Should they be looking at the five sacred towers? God, this is so frustrating! She exclaimed as she got up to take a quick pace around the campfire while her friends were fast asleep. All but one. Vix heard her words behind his silent and closed eyes and something inside him burned like the long-lost dead coals of a forgotten flame. 
It had traveled into the early afternoon despite an attempted raid by a small party of bandits was relatively uneventful. They had paused to make preparations to complete the last three miles, posing as nobles, to enter the Baron's dinner party this evening. Benedict had remarked following the battle, You truly are a master of the greatsword, Keldor. I hope to learn much from you. Keldor smiled briefly, rebuckling a loose line for the vambraces on his left wrist. There's not much more to learn from what I saw. <clears throat> You're a skilled and promising warrior, Benedict. Hmm. Benedict smiled and nodded, despite the praise he internally vowed to ask again in time. Oh, this is ridiculous. Zoran stepped out from behind a bush he was using for modesty to change behind. The outfit was made of alternating colors of bright pink and mint green in hard contrast. Zane and Sophie were laughing. <laughs> I think you kind of rock that look. You stood up and modeled for Sophie. How do I look? Stunning as ever? Sophie laughed and squeezed his hand. Simply dashing. We shall be the toasts of the night. <laughs> By toast, you mean we'll be burned at the stake like the fashion disasters that we are. Calm down. You look terrible, but no worse than normal. Vix chimed in, sneering. Besides, we should all appear comfortable, or else it becomes obvious we do not belong. Am I correct? The group sighed. Vix was curt and to the point, but was right about at least one thing. They had to blend in at the ball tonight, or else the entire mission could fail. Zorin grunted and stormed off to collect and stow his pile of gear, while Sophie and Zane giggled, returning to gathering theirs as well. Zane and Sophie leaned with one shoulder to the smooth granite wall of the ballroom. From here they could see their friends and watch safely away from the crowd to not draw too much attention to their spying. They spoke to each other softly over each other's shoulders. Hmm. Seems Benedict can't loosen up wherever he goes. He's at my 10 o'clock standing like a statue at the edge of the dance floor. If he denies the cocktail waitress one more time, they may ask him to leave on general principle. <laughs> well, we chose the wrong time to visit Darkovnia. No one serves milk, apparently. Poor guy. Her gaze scanned to the right gently. Keldor seems to have made a friend. She smiled as Keldor was speaking to a woman with silver streaking, cutting through her jet black hair at the temples. She wore the curly trusses pulled back under a hood of a blue and black outfit. Her face was a deep, rich umber with clear matching eyes that smiled warmly as she spoke to the powerful and wise old warrior. He smiled and bowed, taking her hand. He led them out to the dance floor where they could begin a slow and gentle cadence. Keldor is quite the gentleman. I wonder where he learned to dance like that. Like how? She studied their movements. They stood side by side, but facing opposite directions. Their hands were the only thing that touched gently back to back with the palms facing back towards themselves. The fingers gently arched and curled back towards their faces. Kilwer's other hand was behind his back as he smiled over his right shoulder to his partner. She smiled back as they stepped forward and backward, swaying together like a child's swing in the wind. Sophie knew this dance to be one that only those of noble birth practiced. They are performing a dance of the Glen. The Glen? Zane paused. Hmm, I guess there's more to Benedict Sr. than meets the eye. Sophie chuckled while Zane smiled proud of his joke. He took a sip from the tart and sour wine in his pewter cup. 
Well, at least Scott Muir did the smart thing and not dance. They passed Scott Muir off as one of their servants at his request. He was back at the guest room sleeping soundly after the great feast they partook in. The taste of the turkey and pies probably still lingering in his dreams like the drool from his wide mouth. Sophie's hand went to rest on his shoulder, snapping him back to the task at hand. Cordelia is enjoying herself. She's at year eight, enjoying the fruit at the table and talking with a few scholars, it appears. Uh, Seems like we're the ones standing out. We should move. Zane said briskly. Not yet. He looked over his shoulder, slightly panicked. Not yet. Sophie said calmly. She gently turned his bearded chin back towards her blue eyes with her fingertips. (sighs) Yes. Not yet. Keldor looked down and saw their feet on the moonlit path of the garden. The crickets gently chirped. Though the dance was over, people were still up talking and drinking into the night. It was nice to talk to someone. Someone like Shay. Tell me, Keldor. She said. Tell me of your story. I feel I do not know you as well as you know me tonight. He stopped and looked into her dark eyes. They reflected and amplified the dim lights of the night. She had told him she was a baroness and a widow. Three children, the eldest being a colonel in the local guard and the youngest a priest. Her lands lie to the east, and she had come here to maintain the uneasy truce of herself and the others. Can you hear them? Sophie whispered to Zane as they perched in the darkness from a nearby rooftop. Yeah, you? He put his arm around her. She smiled and leaned into his soft embrace. Yeah. Kildor sighed and smiled. Dear Shay, thank you for this evening. It's been wonderful, truly, he sighed. Why did he feel so disarmed with her? He felt so calm, so at peace. He smiled and began their walk again. She, taking his elbow and smiling. I was once pledged to a great lord, many miles away. I served him and four others, pledging my life to them, their lands and my faith. I cared deeply for them all. They were everything, especially one. He grew serious. I hope at our age you did not take me to lead you on in a romantic fashion. Mm-hmm. She chuckled with an honest smile. Nay, Teldor. What I gained this night was a friend. That means so much more to me than just another gentleman. She squeezed his muscular arm gently. <sighs> Besides, it sounds like we both have our hearts pledged to another, regardless of what's considered polite or not. <laughs> <laughs> they chuckled. Tell me. What was she like? He smiled and patted her arm gently before continuing. She was the gentlest of breezes, yet the strongest heart I ever met. Her smile could melt the ice on a northern pond, and her eyes could see through the hearts of anyone. She knew truth and valor as her siblings, and, and she... He stopped thinking. She believed in me. He smiled. She smiled back at him. So, tell me, should I call you Sir Keldor? She could feel a slight tremble in his arm at the mention. What makes you think? Oh, you can't fool this old woman. You are a knight of the Glen, and a handsome one at that. She stopped and looked into his eyes. (laughs) Your secret is safe with me, brave Sir Knight. He blushed and looked away, embarrassed from the crumbling facade. She straightened up. Well, may I trouble you to walk me back to the gallery? I suppose I should say hello to the old crooked nose himself. (laughs) (laughs) They chuckled together. Yes, 
Yes, of course, my lady. Walking mostly in silence back, passing by the smaller braziers and torches lining the garden path. The crickets continued to chirp. And as they approached the door, they smelled the sweet elderflowers at the doorway. And he smiled in memory before walking inside. And they failed to notice the two spectators above them on the roof as they passed by, silent now, sharing a soft kiss under that same moon. Mm. Vix walked the hallway beneath the main floor. He had no need for the party and instead cloaked himself in the arcane shadows to get a head start on the exploration. He'd only been successful in finding a few guest rooms, the servant quarters, and the kitchen for the most of the night, while dodging the frantic servers from the kitchen or cellar and stoic guards patrolling. Hmm. He felt the air growing colder as he proceeded, coming to a seemingly dead end. No moss or cobwebs, he remarked. It was ancient and completely barren. The musty smell of the hall, like a underground spring, had faded and was replaced with a dry, dusty smell. She fartefschlack. He hissed as the edges of a glowing doorframe appeared in the wall. Hmm. He pushed gently, and the wall responded, sliding to the left to allow entry. He entered the pitch black room. Hmm. A moment that seemed like forever before one by one blue flames erupted from torches, descending down an endless staircase. Mm. Vic smiled. Well, hello. Time for us to go. This is Vic's the chaotic you sniveling fools. Voiced by Daniel Nichols for the Happy Go Lucky podcast. Baroness Shay Silverbrand is played by Aisla from the Bicurian podcast. The part of Folus Bellum was played by Sam Weigel from the World Forge podcast. Cordelia Shieldhart is played by Jolene Frescas. Benedict Shieldhart, played by Brian Dowling. Sophie, played by Sarah Jenkins. Zane Shieldhart, played by Storm S. Cone. Zorin, played by Cody Miller. And I am Mike Atchley, your narrator. Please help support our magnificent cast by following their projects in the show notes and telling a friend. You can support the show, too, through our Patreon program. This episode of Dawn of Dragons is sponsored by our patrons and Brave Adventures, creators of printable paper miniatures and free online generators, and more to enhance your tabletop role-playing game. For Monster March, their patrons will receive a set of eight paper minis, including an abolith, a lich, and more. But that's not all. They also receive an ebook called Children of Anshar by K.J. Shadmond and access to a beta version of a tool to create your own random generators easily. Stay tuned as our adventure continues. April 5th, and remember the oath. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Isla. And together we are the hosts of the Bicurian Podcast. Let's tell the lovely people what we do. That's a great idea. 
Bicurian is our answer to the polarizing nature of our society today. We usually have on very compelling guests that are experts in their fields, and we like to do our own deep dives into a lot of interesting subject matter. And discover what's underneath the rhetoric and reactions that show up kind of everywhere. We also cover a lot of topics, everything from politics to current events to geek culture. We find a lot of different compelling things to talk about on our shows. If you're like us and want to explore multiple ways of looking at things, we hope you'll join us. So please check us out on bicurian.com for current and past shows. And come and be part of the conversation by following us on your favorite social media platform. Now, Charlie, you and I have a deal. I'll be back for Christmas, which isn't that long from now. And you are going to make new friends and help Aunt Nani. You can't just leave me! Truly, I won't be gone long, and Aunt Nani needs your help. You don't need to keep saying it! Charlie, I know this makes you sad, and I know you're sad because you love me. Promise me you'll be helpful. Okay. I love you. The Happy Go Lucky Podcast, producers of Charlie Saves Christmas, bring you our next heartwarming adventure. Cassie and the Spectral Shade opens April 6th, 2020.